So someone says, I am ordaining in the forest tradition as a salmonera soon. I will stay as a novice for about four to six months, then I will get married. To another novice? <laughs> like at the monastery? I have a strong desire to become a monk, hence I put it off for long. Wrong? I assume you will disrobe before you get married. Is that the, the key? Yeah, was, it's not like after four to six months they let you get married to... No, silly joke, sorry. Um, I mean, the reason for joking is it's, it's such a difficult, difficult question. You know, it's not really according to the tradition to leave the home life with the expectation of going, you know, getting, getting more caught up in the home life afterwards. Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea to really decide to be a, a monk and then make plans of leaving later. Yeah. So if you want to get married, well, get married. I mean, the, the reason why it's a difficult question is because really people are doing it every day and mostly in Thailand. Maybe Burma, I'm not sure. But for sure in Thailand, probably Cambodia, Laos. Um, it's a big thing. Ordained for a week, ordained for a month, ordained for three months. Four to six months is pretty impressive by today's standards. Um, but, I mean, w w it's not just going on a retreat. Becoming a monk is taking on a lifestyle. What, you're, it's like taking on a profession. And I've gone on about why I'm personally not inclined to support temporary ordinations because I've seen what they do. I, my monastery nowadays has, every other day has an ordination. The first problem, it's, um, well, the first problem is that it inclines people to think of the monkhood as a temporary thing. Uh, and so, you know, rather than taking it seriously and saying you ordain to dedicate your life to it, they say, oh yeah, ordination, that's what you do before you get married. And that's really how many people look, look at ordination. They are very happy that their children ordain, but after a month, if they decide they want to stay on, oh, there's hell to pay. Ordain for more than a month? Isn't a month enough? That kind of thing. And this is really sad that people actually develop these these ideas. The second reason <clears throat> is that the monks who do stay on wind up spending all of their time uh, organizing ordinations, you know, the shaving, the robes, the bowl, checking everything, teaching the applicants how to do the chanting, how to do the ceremonies, and then teaching the new monks who, uh, you know, some sometimes people, there was recently or a year or two ago I heard about a, there was an ordination and um, that night after they had ordained, the, the one of the monks got drunk. So you're dealing with people who have no clue about the, the Vinaya and about the rules and you have to teach them from scratch. That's, if done properly, that's a difficult task. Now what happens is it's usually not done properly and so the monks, you know, sit around smoking and chatting and they have money and they buy food and they buy 
you know, they eat in the evening and maybe they, you know, um, well, I mean, not maybe, I mean, I've, I've been in, the, I've seen how it goes, they, they, um, how can I, what's the euphemism, they uh, engage in sexual, they, they ple pleasure themselves, I don't know, how do you say that, what's, what's the, so not words that I use very often, um, you know, so they, they break a lot of actually sometimes serious rules. Um, so that's incredibly tiring and, and uh, for the senior monks to have to deal with and, and it um, takes them away from practice, study and teaching that they could be, 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 they could be better used elsewhere. You know, if someone comes for a month and they say, I want to come and meditate and then they, they but I also want to ordain, you know, what a waste of time when they could be spending that month meditating to have to teach them how to put a robe on correctly. And in Thailand, that's a big deal, how to put the robe on correctly, how to walk on arms round, how to, you know, this and that, and the rules, how many rules you have to keep. This isn't something that's designed for short term. It takes you five years to become a good monk. And if you don't have five years to do it, then you're, you're, you're just going to spend all that time training for nothing, you know, well, okay, maybe it's useful to deal with married life, <laughs> you can see, see how discipline could be useful for dealing with, uh, with having a family, but, and, and that's the argument that they use. Anyway, so you have that, then you have um, the fact that it brings money and it brings um, well yeah it, it brings money and it brings fame and it brings affluence to the monastery and so the monks wind up not only wasting their time but getting caught up in and um, focusing their energies on the ordinations because they get paid for it or they get some kind of um, you know it looks good to have many many monks ordaining and uh, they they get prestige, they get power, they get fame, and so on, and so they they focus on on it, kind of like a, a business. This happens, and uh, finally, it destroys monastic harmony uh, when you have these monks who are misbehaving, and and when the monastery is is the, you know at least half the monks will be um, new monks, and that's a constant state. So the, those, you know, half the monks will always be causing trouble. And so by the time you teach them how to, how to fit in, then they leave and then you've got a new badge. And so the monastery never really feels like a, a monastery. And there's a lot of um, stress and tension and so on. So the results that it has, from what I've seen, are not positive. Um, is it against the rules? Technically it's not against the rules and if that's all you've got then that's all you've got but I think the biggest point is the misconception of, of it as being the proper thing to do which leads as I said people to become complacent and not and undervalue the monastic life that's really the start of it because if someone says yeah I want to ordain temporarily well you, you, you don't have to forbid them you don't have to say no we don't do temporary ordinations some places do. I mean, I might even do that. I'm not really interested in allowing... Well, in some cases, 
You know, I would allow people to ordain temporarily, usually with the thought that they want to ordain temporarily because they have something to do later. So, okay, they can disrobe and go take care of that and then come back and ordain long-term. That kind of thing may, makes sense to me. But the idea of ordaining before marriage is personally something I wouldn't deal with. But the point m more than that is um, you know, it should be understood that this isn't what monastic life is about. I don't know. Anyone have any thoughts? It's kind of something you have to have experienced firsthand to have much, much of a feeling about. I um I did see last year there was a bit of a, a thing going around where you could be a monk for a month. Yeah, I commented on that and it, it wasn't really well received. Well, I think they were <laughs> kind enough, but we had a little bit of difference of opinion. I would imagine it takes probably just a couple of years to to really overcome attachment. Or lifetimes, yeah. Or it, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. long time just to do that. Sure. No, just, don't talk about giving up attachments. It takes it takes a month to learn how to put your robe on. It takes, um, but the way it generally goes is is after a month, you're so proud of yourself for being able to put your robe on that you start to feel like you're really the most awesome monk in existence. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you get to when when you so you act like a jerk for a year for for 11 months and when you get to a year you say wow I've been a monk for a year and I made a lot of mistakes but now I'm an excellent monk after a year you have a real you you're not, don't have you don't you don't have this insane ego but you have a chip on your shoulder thinking I'm so much better than the rest of these monks. Look at these monks who have been monks for 10 years, 20 years, and they're doing nothing. I, you know, I'm really, you know, really, you're really proud of yourself. And so you spend the next four years acting like a little bit of a jerk. And when you hit five years, then you say, whoa, that was, you know, those five years were tough. But now I'm a good monk. Now I'm now I'm free. I don't have to stay with my teacher, so I am qualified to go out and teach, and I don't have to live under the dependence of anyone. It's the rule that at five years, then you can go on your own, and you spend the next five years, you know, not acting like a jerk anymore, but with with a chip on your shoulder, proud of yourself and and your accomplishment. And then after ten years, well, that's where I am. So I. I have, you know, now I have to learn how the next 10 years are going to be. But it feels a lot more like you start to say, well, now I'm just a monk. I don't think it's quite that. But I would say probably when you get to 20 years, that's where it seems. If you look at monks who have been 20 years, whether they're good monks or bad monks, they really stop thinking about being a monk. And they just are. They are who they are. And there's no more of this. Um, there's no more counting, right? Because, you see, you're always counting how long until you get to a year, and then how long you get to five years. And there's all this stuff about seniority, so you're always thinking, oh, this guy's more senior than me. And, and, then, and then the new monks come, and you're proud because they're less senior to you, and you sit in front of them enchanting. There's all this you know, kind of rivalry when a monk comes to visit, and he sits in front of you, and then suddenly there's someone senior to you and stuff. So you're always counting the years, and you're saying, now I'm five years. And of course, after five years, you're counting it because after five years, you can go on your own. 
and after 10 years you can actually not sorry five years you're not a teacher at 10 years you can actually be a teacher and uh, a teacher of monks and you can actually theoretically ordain other monks so you know I was counting that because that's been a big part of my work to not have to rely on others uh, to create a monastic community so um, I think after 10 years I you know I'm, I'm not really counting anymore I'm not thinking oh boy how many years left till I get to 20 it's not not really it doesn't doesn't mean as much anymore so I don't know that wasn't that wasn't so specifically directed towards what you're saying but definitely definitely it takes many many years to settle down as a monk I would say really 10 if you're not planning to be a monk for 10 years you're not really going to become a monk now the thing is he's saying about becoming a novice which is a little bit interesting because there's even less to discuss and actually the or to learn the, the actually the monk for a month turns out they're not becoming monks they're becoming samaneras as well which only have 10 who only have 10 precepts so it's debatable you, you could say well that's an interesting halfway um, and certainly the ordination is a lot less puts a lot less stress on the monastery but so so you know it's a lot less of an issue to become a novice than it is to become a temporary monk um, but you're, you're still you're you're taking on the robes you're, you're ordaining you know if you want to leave home for a while you, you take eight precepts and that's that's established if you want to go to stay in a monastery you know even staying in the monastery with eight precepts that's really a cool thing to do but if you're coming with a fiance to ordain as a novice it's you know it's kind of disrespectful I think I mean I don't want to to, to diss you or anything but uh, you know it's not you that I'm talking about this person who asked this it's the general tendency which is prevalent. I mean my teacher does it. They ordain temporary monks all the time. Uh, that's the culture in Thailand. But <clears throat> it's uh, in general I think something that, uh, that, sh that, that it's a shame that it's so prevalent in my mind. Anyway, that's my yeah. Maybe it's done with the hope that they'll stay. <laughs> Honestly, I agree with what you're saying. I agree with that completely. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why my teacher does it. And well, I don't think, I mean, it's easy to see because after one month, then he's pushing them to stay two months. And that's really how it's got to work in Thailand. If you want monks to stay long term, you just ordain 20 of them and hope that one of them sticks. Mm -hmm. I was ordained, there were 18 of us when I ordained. I'm the only one left. Uh, but of course, that was that was the case all all of the other 17 or no 15 of them were were clear that they were ordaining temporarily in honor of the king on the king's birthday and there were three foreigners and i think all three of us had had at least some idea to stay but the other two disrobed sounds pretty strict uh, the whole thing about the robe that you're talking about that sounds like a a ritual in itself. What do you mean, wearing the robe? Yeah, we're talking about uh, it takes you just a certain amount of time just to learn how to put your robe on. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, not not in Sri Lanka so much. You see, we wear it quite simply. But if you look at my how to meditate videos, when I was wearing a robe like a Thai monk, that takes work. Um, takes some time. And even, even you know, we have another way to wear it when you go outside where you put it over both shoulders and roll it all up. That takes about a month to get to get skilled at. I mean, after after a couple of days, even I, I can teach a person it in a day so that they are able to go out the next day, but for them to keep it on and to be comfortable in it, well, that takes at least a month of doing it every day. I saw an interesting question here. Wait, someone's, this person's actually continuing this, if we can... Okay. I think it's the same person. What if it is marriage out of compassion? I don't really want to get married, but I see how me becoming this person's, being in this person's life will help them more than if I become a monk for a longer time. Whoa. That's a small Marriage out of compassion. Anyone? I'm sorry, but I'm sorry. That sounds like a bad reason to get married. I can see it, but it, I don't have any real good comments. It, uh... Yeah, I'm. I'm. I have comments. Um, <laughs> you know, helping people. What? What? How, what? What is the best way to help a person? Who can help a person? I, I guess I have comments because. I've dealt with this. I've dealt with with women who have asked me to um, not ask directly, but who have made it quite clear what their intention was and wanted an answer. Um, and even recently, there was a case with um, well, I, I had a case where I was being asked questions about marriage that were quite pointed and uh, had to go through this and, and so I took this person through a long um, kind of like we went on a trip together I mean we sat there and we talked and I led her through this this issue that she was obviously having and um, the, the main point of it was how much more benefit comes from having a, a spiritual relationship than from having a corporeal one, corporeal, physical relationship. Um, so, when you become a monk, you, from a Buddhist point, if you take on the greatest role you can ever have uh, in in relating to other people, you are the representative of the Buddha. You have direct and um, dedicated access, continuous access to the Buddha's teaching. You are living, breathing, um, you know, you are immersed in Buddhism. So your, theoretically, your, your role and the relationship that you have to all of the people who are um, close to you it is optimum. You can relate to them in a way that is completely pure. 
you can love them. You can be, I mean, a big part of our conversation was about love with this person. Because you, you can very much love people. There's, there's nothing wrong with love. In fact, it's, it's a great thing and it leads people to, to, to find happiness and to be at peace in their mind. To, to love. Um, so the only the only benefit of marriage, or the only thing missing from a monastic relationship that marriage has, is is based on attachment. And so the question you have to ask is whether attachment is beneficial to anyone. Of course, there are people who believe that, but certainly as Buddhists, we don't believe it. If you think it will help this person to be in their life, then, well, we have two parts to that. The, the one part is your attachment to helping this person. Why is this person so important to be helped when the world is full of people to be helped? So it may be, why? Because it may be as, as a monk that you're not able to directly help this person, right? But certainly you will be able to help whoever it is that you're around. If this person decides when you're a monk they don't want to have anything to do with you, then it may be that yes, you can't help that person. But what is it that's making you want to help this person? It's an attachment. The other thing is if if you do stay with them and if they do stay with you, you become a monk and they are still very interested in, in you. I mean I've I know married couple I know a married couple where he's married and he goes to visit them. He's he goes to visit his wife, he goes to visit his daughter, his granddaughter, and uh, he acts like a very good monk. He is a very good monk. I'm quite impressed by him. His wife is a very good lay Buddhist and very much interested in meditation practice, and they get along. I mean, you kind of get the feeling they have a bit of a, a content, a bit of a difficult relationship, or they had a bit of a difficult relationship even before he ordained, but I went to, I, when I go to Bangkok, I will visit, probably I'll see them, see his his daughter again and, and probably his ex or his wife might even see him if he comes down from Chiang Mai um, and so you know I think he's done them a world of good to, to, to have to, to provide them with someone who's in the, the, the monastic circle so that whenever they want they can go and practice and they're that much closer to to Buddhism as a result at the very least they have a reminder so I certainly can't see how becoming mar how getting married with someone could be better than becoming a monk, unless, as you say, as I say, you you're probably attached to this person. Then the help doesn't have anything to do with being married to them. The help comes in spite of getting married. <laughs> I would say, well, if you want to get married, that's the attachment. That's not out of of wanting to help them. Doesn't mean that you can't help them married, but the marriage part, I don't think. Um, because it's, it's it's based on attachment, and there. This is why the whole thing about this is why we have this crazy situation where uh, Christians get married to Buddhists. We were talking about this yesterday, and Lama Kunga said, "What did he say? Isn't that absurd or something?" <laughs> Just talking about it. Don't understand that at all. I think he said he had something very clever to say about it. Um, And the point is that you, you don't, how that can happen is because you don't marry someone or, or have a relationship with someone because of 
spirit it's not a spiritual choice you you make the choice based on attachment people get i mean I, that's generalizing and and you say you have your reasons for getting married but I, I would I would question them or I would I would ask yourself if you're sure that that's something that actually helps or actu or, or or conversely um, puts you in a situation where you're no longer able to objectively help this person or other people. So anyone else? <laughs> well I've never been married so I, I don't feel like I should bestow advice on marriage oh come on <laughs> <laughs> do it anyway I've never, I've never been married and I can bestow advice on marriage I don't know Sometimes, I mean, well, sometimes the worst people to bestow advice are the people who are in the thick of it. If you're if you're married and you're doing it all wrong, well, I suppose you could still tell people what's wrong. I don't know. I mean, when I think about um, the, the the value of marriage, and uh, you know, I think it basically is just two people sharing their experience together and. In and of itself, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That can be a good thing, a great thing. Um, but uh, I, I see a lot of um, insecure people looking to the other person to complete them. You know, the old mm. "you complete me," and I'm not so sure if that's such a such a good way to uh, to look at it as as the one person completing the other. I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing your experience with another person, but um, I don't, I don't uh, quite get on board with the whole idea that some someone else completes you. I don't think uh, that's a good reason to uh, get married because you're looking for someone to to fill the void. <laughs> 